I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. My guest is Amanda Kaiser, a member engagement specialist for the association community, a speaker, and author of the popular Smooth the Path blog. I'm happy to have Amanda here to talk about new member engagement. New members are a key segment when it comes to boosting retention rates for associations. Amanda, what have you learned about the first 30 days and how important they are for new members? Hi, Mary. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here, and, and you asked a, for a perfect first question. So, so I've learned that the first 30 days are the most important days for engaging most new members. In fact, my research shows a really strong connection between early member engagement and lifelong member engagement. So what I see is there's kind of two scenarios that members see back to me all the time. And the first scenario is, in fact, imagine that you are a new member. Uh, you join an association and then nothing much happens. You don't receive emails, you don't get any letters, or if you do, they're kind of transactionally based in nature. Um, and, and so, you know, after getting a whole lot of nothing for a month, how do you feel about that association? Probably not so good. Um, you know, the other scenario is imagine just exactly the opposite. You join and you start getting a barrage of emails. These emails are long. You get lists of benefits. You get requests to donate. You get a ton of promotional stuff where, where the association is asking you to buy more research and more events and go to their very expensive annual conference. And as you read through some of them, none of them seem really directly applicable to you. And so how do you feel about the association by the end of a month? You know, again, probably not so good. So from the research that I do, I do I've learned that we don't have a year to engage members. That decision to renew doesn't happen at the end of the year. It happens much earlier. And so associations, at least most associations, really have what I call a three-day to three-week open window of opportunity. It's the, the, that time where a member has gained, uh, joined, and they, they want to know more about the association. They're open to reading all of your emails. They're open to a phone call. And during that time frame, they want to know just two things. The first is they want to be assured that they didn't make a mistake in joining. And the second is they want to know what to do first. And so as association professionals, we need to make it super easy for members to understand what to do first in that first 30 days. So really what you're doing is you're affirming their decision to join, and then you're also providing a roadmap to them in, in regard as to how to get involved. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, and the two work hand in hand, right? They, they have that roadmap that shows them how to get engaged. And, and the moment they do it for the very first time, they say, oh, yes, it's, you know, I can see. I can see that this association is going to be valuable to me. So the new member engagement study you did showed some associations improve their new member renewal rates by 10%. And I'm guessing that they were um, tuned in to what you've talked about in terms of affirming a new member's decision and providing them a roadmap for involvement. What, what do they do that other associations don't? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the new member engagement study, and, and I'd love to put in a plug for my partner's dynamic benchmarking. We, we worked on this study together, um, and uh, what, we, what we did is we took a look at the highest performers within the study and, and tried to 
figure out how they constructed their onboarding programs differently and what did they do. So, so they used uh, three top strategies that seem to propel their metrics higher than the rest. The first is they, wrote, they ran their onboarding programs longer. So, um, so a lot of associations send out just a welcome letter. So, you, you know, you're getting, you're, they're doing something special for new members for just a day. And others will do a series within maybe the first month or first three months. But um, the, our highest performers were actually reaching out to new members with new member-specific communications for seven months or more. So they have long, robust programs. The second thing that these high performers did is they had the ability to segment their most at-risk new members. And so within the first month or the first two months or the first three months, they were diving in the, into the data and they were figuring out who was not behaving like an engaged member and they were finding more ways to connect with them and connect these at-risk members back to the association. Uh, third, they were using um, a particular set of communication tactics. So they used emails, phone calls, and in-person events at a very high rate to engage these new members. Now, we measured the success rate of many different tactics. You know, I think over a dozen tactics from you know, social media to your welcome packet to welcome letters and you know, all of those things. And, um, and these three tactics, emails, phone calls, and, and engaging the members at in-person events, consistently showed very strong results. So that's just some of the things that our highest performers were doing to boost their new member engagement rates. Let's go back and unpack a little bit of that. I want to reiterate some of that for listeners. Uh, first of sure. all, that longer onboarding period, uh, new member-specific activities for up to seven months, I think that's going to yeah. surprise a lot of people. I think there's a fear that if we bother new members, uh, you know, they won't renew at rates that we're hoping for, but it's really just the opposite. As we're showing them how to get engaged and showing them where the value is, uh, the longer the period is that we do that, the, the more likely they are to get engaged and then to stay. And then I think the other thing that you just said that's important is they're looking for at-risk members and who thinks of members being at risk in the first several months of memberships. We tend to think mm -hmm. about that at the end of the first or second year or, you know, later into the membership. But uh, can you talk a little bit more about what makes a member at risk early on? Yeah. So, so, you know, some of this is data dependent. It's the data that you can get your hands on within your association. And so, uh, you know, what these associations are doing is they're, they're looking at all of the behaviors that indicate engagement. So are they, uh, you know, minimally, are they, you know, opening emails? Are they, uh, have they logged on to the website? But, you know, all, there's all kinds of things that uh, members can do to show their engagement. Did we call them and they returned our call or schedule a call with us? Uh, are they coming to events? Are they, are they ordering uh, our professional development? Are they taking courses? Are they on the track to get certified? And so, so some associations have, have done some predictive analysis to know what behaviors their members engage early on that show that they're on the path to engagement and what, mem you know, and, and so seeing the lack of those behaviors will say to them, hey, we've got this at-risk population. Let's, let's dive in and give them some special treatment to see if there's a way that we can connect them to some value within the association. 
Does the ability to do that require an advanced association management system, or have you seen associations that have been able to do that uh, maybe with more limited technology or resources? Yeah, I, I think there are, uh, in fact, I know of one smaller association out there that um, where the director of marketing is, uh, uh, she, she really, uh, I'm sorry, director of membership, and, and, it, and she believes that it's her job to connect with everybody. And so, um, you know, without having a crazy amount of technology at her disposal, because she is connected with all of her new members and her 350 other members, you know, she knows when people are engaging and she knows when people are not engaging and then she can do something about it. Super. So uh, we shouldn't have excuses in terms of um, why we're not connecting. Uh, and I think that's a good thing to be thinking about as well. So in addition to changing up the length of our onboarding, uh, identifying at-risk members, and then making sure we're connecting. Are there other things that uh, listeners can do to current existing onboarding, welcoming, or orientation programs uh, that you can think of, or, or the things that you covered pretty much summarize the most important things? Yeah, no, I, I – um, so, uh, you know, a funny story comes to mind. I remember talking to a member, and she told me that uh, when she joined her association, uh, on the very first day, she got five emails, and on the second day, she got four emails, and on the third day, she got another four emails, and, and by, by the fourth day, she had kind of just given up reading emails. And, and this is not abnormal. Um, members, new members and, uh, will tell me that they just don't read the long, wordy emails that come from associations. They tend not to read, you know, the huge page-long or two-page welcome letters. They don't even look at the welcome packets that are stuffed with an array of brochures and slip, slip sheets. You know, all this stuff, it just gets dumped in, into the trash, whether it's, it's your actual trash can or it's sort of like your mental trash can. And, and so what happens is when we're piling this just, you know, data, you know, information dump onto our members early on, we're, we're teaching them to ignore our communication. We're, we're saying, you know, to interact with the, with the association, it's, it's so time-consuming and complex. Uh, you, you know, you probably don't have time for this. So, so I think one of the first things that you can do, if you've got an onboarding program that's not performing, uh, you know, it hasn't raised new member renewal rates by 10% or more, it's not performing the way you want it to be performing, the first thing you can do is go in and focus on frictionless communications. Now, when I say frictionless communications, what I'm talking about is very short, very simple, easy, to-the-point communications. You know, these are communications that just take a few seconds to read. They're so valuable that your readers will want to click into them right now. So, you know, rewriting those emails, um, in particular, maybe your letters with this frictionless framework is one of the more powerful ways an association can improve their current program. Well, it sounds, too, like there needs to be careful coordination internally so that every department isn't shooting emails out to new members without connecting and uh, planning with other departments as well. Is that fair? Yeah, that is. I, uh, some, what some of my clients do is, is they'll, they'll, well, they'll do a couple of different things. So they'll say, hey, we've got this onboarding program, and those communications take precedent over everything else. 
-hmm. They also um, sometimes say, um, you know, hey, we know that we don't want to barrage our new members with requests for more money, and so they'll hold back all of their promotional emails for a time. Maybe it's a week or maybe it's three weeks until, you know, three of their new member emails have gotten through or six of their new member emails have gotten through. And these number, member emails are all, they all deliver value. They don't ask for more money. And so, so yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of coordination that needs to happen with these programs. Excellent. Let's, let's shift a little bit here. We hear a lot about generational differences in associations. Um, how, if at all, does this impact your work in the onboarding arena? Yeah, you know, this, um, this comes up a lot, especially with younger professionals. They'll, they'll talk about going to the event for a first time, you know, an, an annual conference or a chapter event. And, uh, and they'll, they'll recall standing there at registration or going to the first keynote and looking out over the audience and, and seeing nobody their age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also hear this from members when they're referring to race or gender. Uh, people are super conscious of joining an association and not seeing anybody like them. Now, it's not just about, um, you know, age, race, and gender. I also want to let you know that there's really a psychographic element as well. So, you know, members are also looking for others who have very similar work experiences or who are working in similar environments or who are working on very similar projects or at a similar career stage or, you know, who think the way they do. And the associations become super valuable when we can help members, new members see, or even better, you know, meet other people like them, you know, whether it's, um, you know, it depends on what they, what they care most about. It might be, you know, it might be age. It might be that they want to connect with other people working on a similar project. So, you know, one example that I can give you of a, of a client of mine that's, that's doing this really well is they have a very, they're an international association, and so a lot of their work is done online, and they have set up a thriving special interest group program online where they help members engage on topics that, that are important to them. So, it, you know, one is for young professionals. And one is about uh, new technology, and and one is about a particular type of project. And uh, in this way, they're in- engaging people in the way that they need to be engaged. And what they've found is this is one of the things that they tell new members about right away because these groups are a huge engagement driver for them. You know, I think some of it is how we welcome new members into the association We'll stop here, but I know you'll want to join me for part two of my interview with Amanda Kaiser. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. 